Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. My guest today on the podcast is one of the world's leading experts in mindset optimization. He's worked with World Series of Poker players and generated over $15 million in earnings for those poker players. He's worked with the likes of Olympic medalists, UFC champions, Hollywood actors, business executives, Wall Street traders, and so much more. And his particular modality for doing this is something called hypnotherapy. Now, hey, if you're a skeptic, I encourage you to really tune into this because we get into anything from Elliot's reason for getting into hypnotherapy and his fear of flying to some of my experiences with his app and my TED Talk to so much more. We really break down the utility of this, what we can uncover, how we dig deep through hypnotherapy and a lot of other things. The show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash Elliot, and enjoy my conversation with Elliot Rowe. I like to publish what I'm using currently in terms of technology, tools, and things that really help me optimize my health. One of those that has been persistent among my stack is Blue Light Blockers. Blue Blocks is a company that I've known for a long time. I've had Andy Mantz on the show, I've been on his podcast, and we just generally get along. Not to mention that Katie, his wife, has created some of the most stylish blue light blockers on the planet. I have both the daylight blockers, which I use in front of my computer, but also have the nighttime blockers. And those are probably the single best investment that I've made in terms of a technology that helps me improve my sleep. Where can you get yours? Head on over to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, and use the code DS15, that's DS15, for 15% off, which is pretty awesome. Enjoy your blue light blockers, and let's get back to the show. Elliot, thank you for making the time. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. So we have a number of mutual friends, uh, people like Sean Wells, AJ Yeager, and it's come up, your name has come up so much that I felt like I had to reach out and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Man, it's, it's, it's good to hear I'm being mentioned. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, all in good, and all in good ways, right? So it's, uh, you know, some people, you know, get mentioned in not so good ways, but you have always come across as universally good. So uh, let's, I, I want to just dive into it with you if it's okay. Yeah, please do. So a number of people are listening to this and may have a certain stereotype about the idea of hypnosis. Um, perhaps it's from whatever Bugs Bunny commercial or you know cartoon that we had growing up or whatever. But if we can just lay the groundwork, and I apologize for really the elementary question here, but if we can lay the groundwork for people and sort of what is hypnosis and what it isn't, uh, I would love to start there. Um, so, I mean, the first thing is hypnotherapy, which is which is what I practice, um, isn't what you would think of in terms of stage hypnosis or what you'd see on television. So the stage shows are 
sort of a, a clever effect that utilizes social pressure, hypnosis, and a very small percentage of the audience who are particularly suggestible. Um, hypnotherapy is much more like a guided meditation with a focus. So if you think about meditation, um, you're looking to clear your mind. And then as thoughts come in, you're sort of redirecting yourself back to your breath. Mm -hmm. And that's the process of meditation is you're taking control by not following the thought. With hypnotherapy, we get to the same trance-like state, deepened state, but instead we're looking to absolutely focus on one area. And typically it's an emotion. So anxiety. And we sort of dig in to this emotion of anxiety. And in that state, um, which there's nothing magic to, but the subconscious is dominant, um, it will start showing you where those issues came from. So you'll start having these memories start to appear and start to create a narrative as to why you're feeling that physical sensation of that emotion in your body. And then we look to reframe those emotions, adjust and change the memories so that the triggers are no longer there in your everyday life. So it's this process of discovery through almost a guided meditation process. So when people are like, oh, I can't be hypnotized, they're usually ref referencing, like they would never go on a stage and do a dance, which is personally, I never would. That's not, yeah. <laughs> not something that would happen with uh, me. Neither would I. Uh, um, however, when, once it's framed as this is, this is another form effectively of meditation, mm -hmm. but it's meditation with a purpose. Um, I think a lot of people can understand it differently when it's, when it's that. It's just a natural tool that we can use to hack into really like the DOS programming that's behind the Windows system. So talk therapy, a lot of the time you're, you're hitting the things that are on the surface. Yeah. And with hypnotherapy, we're, we're able to get more into the code and get an understanding of why those things are appearing on the surface. Mm -hmm. I want to take people through the process here in just a second, but I think they're, I would love to just hear, how did you come into hypnotherapy? Because you know, did you grow up saying like, Hey, I want to be a hypnotherapist or was there a couple of events in your life that you said, this is what I want to do? Yeah. So, um, certainly didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a hypnotherapist. Uh, mm -hmm. That's for sure. Um, so like most people are skeptical of hypnotherapy, mm -hmm. um, but I had a significant fear of flying. So I would turn down long haul trips because I didn't want to be able to plane that long. And with sort of vacations, um, you know, I'd be concerned two or three weeks before the trip. I'd spend the whole vacation on the beach worrying about the plane on the way back. And then I'd be worried again for when we booked the next holiday. And so, um, so if you don't like, mind, Elliot, what does this, so I have gone through the fear of flying and been mm -hmm. forced to fly for an occupation before, I guess mm -hmm. if we can just set the stage for people, what was your occupation then? And then, uh, you know, oh, what so was, I was in, so, so back in those days I was, I was in property. So I was in real estate and then real estate investment and then mm -hmm. solar energy investment. So over that sort of time period, it was, mm -hmm. it was over a number of years. Um, so I didn't, I didn't need to fly for work. This was, this was, you know, being offered opportunities, which were, you know, friends going to the States and me turning down, going on vacation with them, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a relatively big impact on my life. Someone recommended a hypnotherapist and, um, I thought I went there skeptical and she managed to resolve it in an hour, um, which is an extremely good oh. result. Um, but what was really interesting to me is, so I get into this very deep, relaxed state. Um, she asks me, you know, when else have you felt this way? And I'm talking about turbulence on an airplane. 
And then we go even deeper and I get to a memory in childhood where I'm a very small child at a grandfather's house, um, see a picture of a small plane. And I was told it crashed and killed his business partner. Wow. So, you know, we bring up this memory, we rationalize through it through, through an adult perspective of well, that doesn't mean planes are dangerous. And I feel differently afterwards. But the reason it was particularly powerful for me was it wasn't a memory that I, I had any memories of that I was aware of. And then I went home and I, I checked it with my mom next time I saw her. And she was like, yeah, that happened. So a memory I wasn't aware of that completely explained my fear of flying was brought up within this first session. And then I just felt differently about flying afterwards. And that, you know, that played on my mind a lot. I was very interested by this, like suddenly my life has yeah. changed and I can see the world. Um, so I went and got trained as a hypnotherapist and this is, I guess 2009. Um, so this is a couple of years after I'd actually had the experience. Um, and then I was expecting to do it as a, you know, oh, one of my friends is scared of spiders. I'll fix them. Like this is a fun thing to be able to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just started helping people and word of mouth grew and someone else would ask me and someone else would ask me and it ended up turning into a business from that. And I, I ended up falling in love with the job and being, you know, the difference between, doing investment type work and yeah. helping people change their lives. Um, the amount of satisfaction between the two is pretty substantial. <laughs> so as a former yeah, banker, I can relate to oh, this. You, you understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just completely different. So I, I got to spend my days doing something where I felt I was helping people and, and it really just, the inertia just grew from there and almost everything was word of mouth because like you said, almost, I mean, everyone's skeptical of hypnotherapy and hypnosis mm -hmm. because of the way it's been portrayed by the media. So advertising doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. So if you see a pop-up Facebook ad that says, you're a CEO of a company, you should work with hypnotherapist Elliot Rowe, the chance of you deciding to work with me, I would say is very, very small. Um, so my entire business was just built on friends recommending friends and that's sort of gone on for a decade. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Uh I would love to just get a sense of the experience. So if somebody is working with you, um, is it an hour? And if you don't mind just kind of taking us through the parts that they would go through, is it, is it over, I guess, during COVID, you have to kind of do things over Zoom, but, you know, do you typically do this in person or how would you do a session? So I do virtually all of my work over Zoom and, mm -hmm. and I have done for the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um most people are somewhere else in the country or they're international. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to run my business based in a geographical location. And the great thing with hypnotherapy is it's audio. You know, there's, there's no swinging watch and things like that. Um, effectively, if you're in my office and I say, hey, close your eyes, take a deep breath, your eyes are closed and you're listening to me talk to you, it's actually no different from you being on Zoom wearing your headphones and I'm saying, close your eyes, take a deep breath. The whole process is an audio process. So I'm very fortunate there um, that I work online, uh, that I can work online. Um, in terms of a first session would be, an hour, would be two hours and there would be around a 90 minutes of intake. So their background history, the different emotions they're struggling with, 
usually there's some level of self-sabotage that we're covering, fear of failure, fear of success, some repeating pattern they're seeing in their life that they're reaching out to me for. So they're being destruction in relationships, they're having anger issues, they, their money keeps hitting a certain level and they can't get past it. So every time I get to a million dollars in my business, we can't grow, whatever it might be. Typically, typically though, the client has come to me because of that sort of issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we work out what we feel is costing them the most, either financially or emotionally. And then we do the first hypnotherapy session on, on that area. And they're usually around 30 minutes, the actual hypnotherapy side. The beginning of it is an induction and a deepener. So think of this like uh, the beginning of a headspace audio. Uh-huh. Um, or we've got the app Prime Mind, which is the hypnotherapy app. Uh-huh. So be closing your eyes, taking a deep breath, going through a body scan, and then deepening that sensation and getting the person very, very focused in on themselves. Uh-huh. And then effectively going into their imagination. So the subconscious is then becoming dominant over the conscious mind. We're then exploring the emotions that they're struggling with. So every time I try and make the sales call I know I need to make, I feel a sickness in my stomach or a pressure. Mm-hmm. So we'll be using that as the starting point. So describe to me that feeling in your stomach. I feel a pressure. I feel a heat. I feel a tension. I just can't do it. And then I'll say, when else have you felt this way? Mm-hmm. And a memory will pop up in their mind um, and they'll say, I'm 25 and this was happening. And then we'll go to another memory and another memory and we'll reach some kind of initial event that gives us a very good understanding of why a child would think that this is a significant issue. Mm-hmm. And effectively what's happened is they've created a core program that was very useful for them when they were three to seven years old, mm-hmm. but they're still playing this in their fifties. And we're going back to those early core memories and then reframing them. So look at this through your adult eyes. How do you view this? Now you see it rationally, um, hugging the child, showing love, showing affection, just typical inner child work. And then as we do that within the hypnosis state, typically that creates a big emotional response. It's not rare for my clients to be crying during this period of the sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as they come out of the session, oftentimes, They'll, they'll, they'll notice the things that they treat that triggered them previously mm-hmm. don't trigger them in the same way. So the making the sales call might have been a nine out of 10 pressure and now it's a five out of 10 pressure. So it's now mm-hmm. something they can do and they can get the practice in. And with the practice, it gets down to a two or a three and then mm-hmm. they can function in that area. And there's a lot of other techniques that I'm using as well. There's parts therapy, there's different types of timeline therapy within it, some NLP techniques. Um, however, the basis of the majority of my work is understanding why someone is behaving in the way they are because anytime you're doing something illogical your subconscious actually has a reason for it it's not Mm -hmm. random Mm -hmm. so that's really the work so uh, a lot there elliot (laughs) and uh, we really want to really want to unpack some of it at least today so let's take for instance and i i wouldn't say i've come to a resolution with this but you know in uh, but it certainly diminished a lot since i've uh, at least recently but like public speaking is a very common fear that people have right um and as we're going through uncovering the story as to why that is you hinted at something about events between the age of three and seven Hmm. why is three and seven significant here or is it 
is that just an example? Like, could this be precognitive even? So like before you're in the womb? Potentially it could be precognitive. Um, typically where I see the big change happening is during those years. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is when um, our brains are developing and we, we're creating our framework for living. So during those years, um, if we think of from an evolutionary perspective, mm-hmm. the child is learning to live in the environment that that particular child is being brought into. Yeah. And a child is not innately afraid of a tiger, mm-hmm. right? But if yeah. a mom sees a tiger, the mom is going to scream. And from that point forward, the child will say, look, and they look at the tiger, they'll have an adrenaline response because they know that it's something they're supposed to be scared of. Yeah. So there's a period in our life where our programming is very malleable mm-hmm. and effectively that's where we see the majority of these inefficient programs have been created because from an evolutionary perspective, it was incredibly useful 20,000, 30,000 years ago and not so useful in the last 200 years. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why we see those areas. Now these, these issues can be created later in life, but oftentimes that's with very severe trauma. Mm-hmm. So PTSD type issues are effectively something getting into the programming, but at a later stage, and that's why they're so impactful. Um, but typically, the things that impact you in later life are impacting you because you've created some kind of initial sensitizing event, some kind of trigger previous to that, that makes it scary. So having a, having a spider thrown in your hair isn't necessarily scary. It could be something you laugh at. However, if your mom was screaming whenever she saw a spider, having a spider turn, thrown into your hair is terrifying for you um so we're looking at really it's typically those sorts of ages sometimes up to the age of 10 where we see the sort of the very interesting situations but it's rarely much later than that that i see as as the initial starting point typically the starting point is somewhere through childhood and oftentimes realistic an awful lot of it is linked to just self-worth and Mm self-love so you know public speaking um you're putting yourself out there to be judged by your peers. Um, that will go back to, sometimes it goes back to public speaking memories of, you know, I was five years old, I was giving a talk at kindergarten and this happened. Um, but also oftentimes it can go back to parents being very critical of the young child. So feeling that they're not good enough, they're not loved, they're not intelligent. And now in a public speaking position, you have to go out and you have to put yourself out to the judgment of society. And Mm -hmm. again, from an evolutionary perspective, living in tribes, putting yourself to the judgment of your peers is a very scary thing. a very dangerous thing historically as as well. Um, So that's, that's the sort of thing. I mean, effectively everything usually comes down to love and self-worth. Am I lovable? Am I enough? Am I good enough? And, And what made you not feel those ways as a child? There seems to be a correlation here with also just general ego development, right? So when I've heard it and I'm not a neuroscientist, but like I've heard it said that like the ego tends to develop towards the tail end of these ages. Hmm. Is there a general correlation? I mean, because these things get seeded almost pre-ego and then the ego develops around it. And is that kind of the reason why it's subconscious? Pre-COVID times, I went through the audacious goal of trying to run a marathon in under six weeks of training. This was after two years of strict powerlifting, so you can imagine that I was operating at really opposite ends of the proverbial barbell. 
one of the tools that I used in that training was something called a ketone ester. And so you've probably heard a lot about the ketogenic diet. And if you haven't, well, you can really check out some of the podcasts I've done with the likes of Dom D'Agostino. But one of the things that I used was exogenous ketones, like I mentioned before, a ketone ester. And it was pretty incredible for how it helped my performance. The ketone ester that I used was the ketonade. And it's rumored that it's being used in anything from like the Tour de France, but also other endurance events around the world. I know people that use it to help sleep better, which is interesting, or help fuel their brain in the morning for cognitive performance. Again, the ketone ester that I used was Ketonade, and you can head on over to ketonade.com and use the code DECODINGSUPERHUMAN, that's a long one, but it's the name of this podcast, for a discount. It's ketonade.com, and you can use the code DECODINGSUPERHUMAN for an awesome discount. Yeah, it, it seems that these programs are locked in place before that development. It, it <clears> seems <throat> to be the case. So we're running these, again, this... Um, I really like the analogy of a computer. It's, it's like the core programming of the rules. Mm-hmm. And these rules running and then sort of how we learn to live in life um, is sort of overlaid on top of that. But there's a core basis of rules that in most cases, your subconscious is trying to just keep you safe and keep you alive. So the person who, when they feel in any way offended or threatened, gets extraordinarily angry probably they've seen that somewhere in their childhood as an effective way for them to stay safe. Um, someone who gets particularly anxious and hides away, same thing. They've, they've seen it somewhere as an effective way for them to maintain safety. And all it is is we have this core overriding program that says, trigger happened, this is what Boomer has to do. Mm-hmm. And, and you just find yourself doing it and you feel the physical response. And, um, and that's really where we have the root into it is because if you're having a physical sensation from a trigger as an adult, there's a subconscious reason why. And that's our entry point from hypnotherapy. Fascinating. Now, during the course of these sessions with people, is there, you mentioned earlier that sometimes, or actually in your own experience, that uh, fear of flying almost went away or was diminished in a first session. Uh, how quick is it, or is it the case that everybody is individual and may take multiple sessions depending on the situation? So I was very fortunate. I, I think I had an extremely fortunate first session, which is what threw me into this this direction. And mm-hmm. um, there's usually change after a first session. Like that's normal. There's some some percentage tone tone down of the emotion, um, and then it just depends if the person wants to keep working in that area. So, so let's say with my fear of flying, it didn't go from a 10 to a zero. It went from a, well, probably a nine, I guess 10 means I would never have gone on a plane. I did get on them sometimes. Um, Probably went from a nine to a five. And the five meant I was happy to book vacations and happy to get on planes. And then the getting on planes and getting used to it made it much lower again. And, you know, if I'm on a plane and there's crazy turbulence, I'm still not going to be a hundred percent comfortable but I'm not going to be 100% comfortable in the way that most people on the plane aren't 100% comfortable mm-hmm. rather than on a smooth flight feeling like other people in turbulence. Um, and, it, and it's sort of that expectation of there will be some change typically very early on. And then it just depends how deep you want to go. Like how much of an issue is this? 
Now, the work I'm doing with executives, CEOs, founders of companies, those sorts of people, this is much more fine-tuning. So mm-hmm. they're not coming to me with a crisis. Oftentimes, they're saying, hey, you know, things are going great. We're being really successful. However, I noticed this subtle block in this area. But this subtle block is costing us X million dollars. And if I could just change this one way I'm dealing with this situation, um, this changes our business or this changes my personal life or my relationship with my wife or, or whatever it might be. Now, that's usually because it's more subtle, it's sometimes harder to get the same level of change because my subconscious knew exactly where the fear of flying was coming from because it was turned up to a 10 or or nine or whatever we're calling it. Um, So there's a huge physical response. Um, So it threw up the memory straight away. It's like, this is coming from here. This is why planes are dangerous. Um, When it's more subtle, typically I'm working with, I I generally work with people for 10 sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's, there's usually plenty of things for us to cover over those 10 sessions that that would be normal 10 sessions over around six months. And if I were to compare this with something like meditation, which would take, I mean, in my case, it's like a years of doing it to get similar effects. The the effect that you get, the result that you get is incredibly quick. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I would expect most people after their first session to be saying things have started to change. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very fast because you're being guided to the places you don't want to go. So with meditation, you still have to overcome the fact that you have blind spots and your mind typically doesn't want to go to those places and, and we hide them away. And that's where with hypnotherapy, having someone take you through this place process and helping you bring up the things that happened in your childhood that you don't like thinking about and reframing them into a way that those things are to- tolerable to think about, to work, to, to feel and, and have those feelings of stress diminish from them. Um, is just, I believe, a, a faster process to getting that, but getting to that. But you know, things like meditation are incredibly powerful and other types of therapies. This is just the modality that I predominantly use as a performance coach because I found it to be the most effective mm-hmm. you know, for my personality type to work with people. Fascinating. All right. So I want to get into a little bit more in terms of, uh, I guess, use cases in this case. Uh, case, but also talking about some of your past experiences. Uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Fedor, who uh, has done quite well in the poker world. Let's say that. Uh, I know if you're willing to share, uh, he has worked with you in the past and just what does that look like from, uh, I mean, he's an incredibly smart person. Um uh, he came to you and just, uh, what, what is, what did that process look like with Fedor? Um, so I mean, with Fedor for, for people who don't know, he's, he's one of the world's best poker known as one of the world's best poker players. Now, um, he started working with me before he had that run of success. Um, so we started working together around some self-sabotage issues and all of this is public. We've spoken about it on podcasts and, and that's why I can discuss what's, what's been discussed already. Um, so he was he was noticing that he wasn't getting the results that that he believed he should be attaining in poker, and that again it was this subtle. I feel like something's holding me back, but I'm not sure what's holding me back. However, if I overcome this, it's it's going to lead to an awful lot of success. So we're looking in those moments to anywhere where there's a lack of 
there's something that just doesn't quite make sense as they're talking through their processes when they're talking about their emotions at final tables. Um, and then every, as we discuss these topics in depth, there will just be clear signs of an area that doesn't, isn't quite as rational as other areas. And then once again, we'll be doing the hypnotherapy on those particular topics um, to try and understand why the self-sabotage behavior is in place. So in his case, he, there was some self-sabotage behavior that was holding him back from really fully realizing his potential. Um, so and we were really fortunate. We went from a situation where he hadn't won any major live tournament um, and he won everything for around two years. And I think he's cashed $30 million since we started that process of, of working on these. And he's kind enough to put a lot of you know some of that success down to the work that we did on overcoming these these sabotage behaviors and you know they're not the sort of sabotage we're talking about in people that are world class are very subtle mm-hmm. this isn't a, you know these people are destroying their lives they're doing some crazy behavior it's this subtle hey this just doesn't quite make sense if we can refine this i, I sort of visualize it in my mind of like you know, we all start as a cube. And as we do the emotional work, we're rounding the edges and rounding the edges and rounding the edges until we're trying to turn into a ball. And, you know, these people who come to me, they're already extraordinarily successful. You know, I'm not getting any cubes come to me. (laughs) Getting people who are like, it's a slightly uncircular ball, but the difference from sanding off that final bit of emotional edge suddenly means they can roll smoothly and then crazy things happen. I mean, I've had... Yeah, unbelievable success in poker. It's been way over a hundred million dollars. My clients have won. I've had people break records in sports. I've had people win UFC championships. Um, I've had traders become some of the top traders in America. Um, and, and I really just do feel that it's when the potential's there, if you can smooth off that, that final rough patch, then life just gets an awful lot easier. It's, um, and just, you know, I think Fedor's now run one, what, two World Series of Poker Championships or is it? Oh, no. So he's, um, trying to think. So he's got one bracelet, but I mean, he won all of the high roller tournaments. Like mm-hmm. he, won, he won just, he went on a year and just uh, decimated the field um, for a couple of years and then retired um, from full-time poker and, and focused more on business now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was an exceptional, exceptionally fun fun one to be working on and really had a huge impact on my career. We, we went through that process. And like I said, he was, he was very generous in the way that he, he talked about the work we'd done and he wanted us to share that with more people. And um, he helped back an app that I created a hypnotherapy app, prime mind. Mm-hmm. So that effectively more people could try hypnosis and purely down to the success he had had. And he wanted more people to have access to it. So we have prime mind on the iTunes store and Google play. So let's go a little bit into prime mind and then I want to come back over into that executive crowd. So I've had a subscription to prime mind basically, I think since you guys have launched it, but, um, (laughs) uh, and it's, uh, it's been a useful tool for me and it's been interesting to see the development over the years. Um, now, Prime Mind, just to set it up for people, are they, I, th- I believe it's all like close to 20 minutes in terms of different hypnotherapy experiences. Yeah. So there's, there's around, I think there are 40 free audios in the app if you just sign up and download it. And then if you 
like pay for the upside. It's like this, the upgrade, this 300 audios, something like that. And they're all hypnotherapy suggestion audios. You know, obviously it's only me speaking. The person can't speak back. It's an app. Um, but it's suggestion audios to try and use visualization to prepare yourself in a specific area of life. Um, so there are public speaking audios. There's doing a sales call. There's going to sleep at night. There's courses to work on your confidence, on winner's mindset, um, on dealing with relationship issues, on forgiving people. So it's like a, a short... I think they start at 15 minutes up to about 25, 30 minutes mm -hmm. audio program, all with a very specific topic. So the idea is you're priming yourself for a certain thing that you want to resolve. Um, it differs slightly from meditation, which is usually more, you know, meditation as a focus exercise rather than this is hypnotherapy. So it's like I said, meditation with a purpose is, is a good way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you didn't, asked me to cue this beforehand. In fact, I haven't told you this yet, but I did ahead of, I gave a Ted talk about two years ago now, and it was TEDx. And I think I, at that point I was listening to the public speaking one on almost repeat every single day and just awesome. the prep work. That's really cool, man. Yeah. It's uh and again, public speaking for me has been one of those. And I'm sure if I were to work with you one-on-one, -on -one, you'd uncover some something that's happened between me and probably my father when I was younger um, that I don't even recognize today. But I, I would say in the lead up to that event, uh, it was incredibly helpful. So thank you. Oh, that's well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for giving it a try. And that's literally, literally what made, made the app for is there's these stories out there that I never hear. Mm -hmm. where it's like someone's performed better at a certain event um, because they put in put in the time with the app. So that's really awesome. Let's go back to the executive crowd because that's the majority of the people listening to this show right now. Uh, what are some of the typical things? And you mentioned these subtle bumps, right? And, mm -hmm. and sort of the rounding of the sphere. But what are some of those subtle bumps that come up? Is it just sales calls? Is it public speaking? Is there a common theme to those subtle bumps? Um, I mean, it shows up differently for different, different founders, different executives. Mm -hmm. um, but there are certainly some, some themes I see with founders. Um, a lot of insecurity comes up in investment rounds. Mm -hmm. So looking for funding, um, that that creates a lot of anxiety and it creates a lot of meetings that are suboptimal. Mm -hmm. So so that's one stage where a lot of them will come to me. They're saying, hey, we're, we're looking to do our, you know, our next series. Um, I'm having these emotions come up when I'm having my investor meetings. Um, I know that I'm not performing to my best. So So that's a common theme. Um, staff retention is is something that's very significant. So an understanding of how to communicate and why they're communicating poorly with their staff. So another time, like if someone's noticing that they're losing good staff frequently, they'll they'll reach out to me. And then there's the, the sort of the fears around growth. Uh, there are a lot of people who have a subconscious fear of being extraordinarily successful. Mm -hmm. And they create a level of wealth that they feel comfortable with and then they can't move past that because of something that they've learned. Um, and, and a lot of the time it's quite round numbers. For some people it's 100,000, for some it's quarter of a million, half a million. I've seen it up to tens of millions. And then someone hits up just a point of like, no, past this is unacceptable. And what will happen is they'll, they'll bring themselves back to this level over and over again over multiple years. And they'll be coming to me saying, hey, like I know I'm stuck on this number and there's no logical reason why my business has stopped growing. 
Like we've hit a million, a million dollars profit every year for the last four years. And there's no reason why our business shouldn't be growing past this. But every time it starts to go above, I find a way of getting rid of the money, investing poorly, whatever it might be. Um, and then we're working through these, these issues around typically guilt and shame around wealth mm-hmm. and, and, and looking at that. And then I guess the final one is the people not giving 100% because it protects their ego. So they have all of these ideas. They know what would grow their business best, but then they find themselves not doing it. And it tends to show up as this ego protection of they're doing well enough, but they're not doing extraordinarily. But if they try, they might fail and that will make them feel bad. But if they don't try, they can tell themselves, I could have tried and I would have made a hundred million dollars, but I just wasn't able to, I just chose not to try. So they've maintained control and that kind of ego protection shows up for lots of people in lots of ways. And, you know, the thing that usually comes up is clever kid in school doesn't have to study for exams to get good grades. The exams start to get harder. The kid still doesn't study because it's much more comfortable getting a B with no work put in than putting in the work and then not getting the A Mm -hmm. because they can sort of tell themselves that, Hey, if I tried, I would have got the best score but I'm, I'm not sort of putting myself in the game. So, so you're removing the, the emotional risk of no longer seeing yourself as intelligent. And it's just that playing out through the business life. What percentage of these guys come or women uh, come to you as sort of fear of failure versus fear of success? Or is it usually um, mixed in I, both? Well, I, I believe that they're, they're almost always intertwined. Mm-hmm. The, the fear of success and fear of failure. Um, however someone defines it usually when we dig into it there's some facet of both is showing itself um it's it's hard to describe but they sound complete opposites but they're actually they're actually very close when you start digging in a a couple of terms that have come up quite a bit in this conversation And, and with regards to when you're working with these types of people uh two things that came up were early child work and then timeline therapy uh, if you're willing to explain it uh, what would be the difference between those two um so i mean the way that i i, I mean i see them as very close mm-hmm. actually um because we're doing we're doing a version of timeline therapy to to bring up the inner child, the early child work, where what I do is slightly different is I mix that in then my inner child work. I also mix in with parts therapy, um, which is seeing the part of yourself that seeing yourself as separate parts, um, sort of seeing the issue as a part of yourself rather than as yourself, separating it out and then going into the childhood memories and understanding that that part can be changed if you adjust the memories. Um, I'm probably not describing this as succinctly as I could, Um, but effectively what, what I look to do is we'll look through the timeline. We'll find the different keystone memories that you need to work through. We'll go into those memories and change them like I was describing, but we'll also be looking at the part of the self who has been is a representation of these issues. So the anxious part of you, what does the anxious part of you look like? The part of you that comes out when you think about public speaking. Um, Within a hypnotherapy session, when you're in that altered state, um, you'll be describing that as he's frail, he's young, he's weak, he's shaking, whatever it might be. 
okay, where did this part of you come from? When did you learn that behavior? Bring up another memory. Um, we'll then adjust those memories and we'll go back to that part and we'll see how that part of you has changed. And typically that part of you will look completely different. So he's standing tall, he's stronger. And, and what's happening is as you're changing the information in the memories, you're changing the way the person visualizes, the client visualizes their subconscious. And by making that change, they see their subconscious changing. It's no longer speaking to them in the same way that it was before. That sort of the, it shows us that the trigger has changed and then we're sort of releasing and working through that. So, so I'm doing sort of a, a combination of multiple therapies within the session, mm-hmm. but effectively all doing the same thing, which is just trying to change the deeper program that the client's struggling with. That's just been repeating for those years. Those people who are thinking back to like when they were seven or four and not drawing up memory, any memories, is that going to be an issue in session or do you, does the fact that they're in, I guess, trance or whatever the state is, does that help them re uh, bring out these events in their mind? Yeah. So you definitely, things come up, just like I said, with my situation with the flight, um, I wasn't consciously aware of the memory that was there. If she had asked me, why do you think you're scared of flying? There is 0% chance that I would have come up with that particular situation. So when you're in this very deep, very focused state, you, you just have more access than you would have in a normal conversation. Um, we also sort of, you need to be aware that if you're having a very strong emotional response to something, your subconscious knows why it's having the very strong emotional response to something. So, you know, if you're, if you're coming with a fear that's a nine or a 10, the memories, even if then you're not consciously aware of them, they will show themselves up as we start exploring those because um, otherwise you wouldn't have the fear at that level. It would be a subtle discomfort if you were unaware. But if it's a, something that's really holding you back from living your life, you, your subconscious knows the reason. Like these things just pop up. They just come out very easily. And again, obviously it differs client to client. Sometimes it takes a few sessions, but the typical response is the bigger the emotion that someone's coming with, the easier it is to find the root cause of that emotion. Elliot, this has been amazing. And I think I could ask questions of you for hours and hours, but I want to be cognizant of your time. Yeah. I, I want to round off with just a final few questions here. Yeah. Focus for you when you need to really dig into something and perhaps get into a flow state. Is it easy, or do you have tools that you use? And if so, what are those tools? Um, it's sort of I'm trying to say is it's not easy, but it is pre-planned in the way that I structure my entire week. Mm. Um, so on a daily basis, I'm um, I utilize a sauna in the mornings. Um, I work out with a trainer five days a week. I have a massage once a week. I see a hypnotherapist every two weeks. I see a business coach once a month. I go to an energy worker once a month and I have assisted stretching. So it's quite easy for me to get into those states, but it's easy because I'm putting hours and hours a week (laughs) into making it easy. So it's this sort of, it's easy, but it's easy because of the effort that's put in. And I guess therefore it's, it's a lot of effort to, to be able to get myself into that state. Um, but I find that it, it pays off. All of those things are an investment for me that allow me to have more emotional control and more focus control when needed. As a performance coach, 
what is, excites you most about the world we live in right now when it comes to the performance aspect of things? Um, I think it's people realizing that th this is sort of untapped to some extent. Um, so a lot of people who are coming to me, they've, they're exploring a lot of options now. So, you know, everyone's a biohacker to, to some extent, um, but it's all opening up. So if we think back to, you know, the, the, the early 2000s, um, the, the options for optimization were just so completely different to now. I mean, I'm talking to you as a hypnotherapist who works with high performers. Like, I, I doubt there were very many people doing this in the world 20 years ago, even now that there really aren't. And for me, it's just seeing this new wave of a generation of people who are just like, I want to see what happens if I get my mind in the best possible state and my body in the best possible state and I'm resting properly and I'm sleeping well and I'm building good relationships. So I guess my excitement isn't around whether someone's going to win an Olympic medal. It's this movement towards like better living really even the optimization side is the happiness side that it brings is more important to me than the, the true just net performance It's seeing that if you get all of these things right you live a, a happier life and happier lives tend to lead to better performances in every area um so i, I yeah it's like sort of that theme is what's exciting for me book which has most impacted you and how you show up in your life Ooh. And for the record, I didn't send you any of these questions beforehand, so I'm so, putting so, you on the yeah, spot. Give, yeah, yeah, give me some. Yeah, just try and think. There's lots of lots of good books. Um, you can go with one more than was, one. The one, that, the one that was most useful for me in in working with poker players, um, and, and sort of a thought process around mindset for performance, uh, was "The Art of We're Learning" by Josh Waitzkin. Mm -hmm. um, I found that a really powerful book. I found it interesting seeing a lot of the things I was doing were shown in the book, but there's this subtlety of this idea that, and if anyone knows the story of Josh, he was a world-class chess player and then he became a world champion in martial arts. And where it was interesting to me was it was, it was showing me what I was seeing in my own, um, it, it was seeing me sort of in my own work where it doesn't really matter the thing that people are doing there's a process to high performance using mindfulness and pre-planning and strategies that will allow you to perform at the top level of anything. So my sessions with UFC fighters aren't dramatically different to my sessions with CEOs or crypto traders or poker trade players or Olympic athletes. Um, and that's sort of what I, I sort of felt that theme from that book. And I found that really interesting. I love, I always talk about this book. Um, I love the book Mindset by Carol Duick, Growth mm -hmm. Versus Fixed Mindsets. Um, so useful to so many of my clients and even in the way we raise our children. Um, but I think that's a really good book if you haven't read it. Elliot, where can people find out more about you and if they want to work with you, how do they get in touch? So I have a website, elliotrow.com. Um, if you're looking for coaching with me or someone who I've trained and then Primed Mind, the app that I was talking about, um, if you go to primemind.com or if you look it up on the app store, you can download that. And then we also have a podcast on the Primed Mind website as well, um, where we talk to high performers about these types of subjects. Elliot, like I said before, we have a lot of mutual friends and this is a conversation that has been a long time coming. I, I hope it's 
the first of many, but thank you again for taking the time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Man, I've really enjoyed it. Um, thanks so much for having me on. All right, to all the superhumans listening out there, have an absolutely epic day. If you found that conversation enjoyable and who doesn't like diving into the weeds on things like hypnotherapy, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. I'd love to hear from you guys. So please reach out there, sign up to the email list, and of course, interact with me on all the socials. But first and foremost, let's go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Thank you guys for your attention today. And the show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash Elliot. Thank you. Have an epic.